common sense. Three weeks trying to teach us how to think right uh, in different situations, but I wanted to begin by opening it up and saying thank you for coming for, to the picnic yesterday. Because I thought the picnic was really a great success, you know. We just tried it. We said, let's just try Jones Park. Let's just rent that thing. So Northwood rented the whole pavilion and everything. And uh, some guys got out there real early and staked all our Just a great time. I thought it was great. Great turnout, great participation, great food and fun. And it was just a great experience. So we'll, we'll do it again. How about that? Okay. Now, Proverbs chapter 3. This is going to be like our banner scripture for the next three weeks. And uh, it says, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. Common sense. You would think that common sense would be common to everyone. But my dad used to say this. He said, when the good Lord said, brains some folks thought he said rain and they had it for cover <laughs> and uh, you might get that later on simple folk get it real quick so common sense and uh as a matter of fact this morning in the one-year bible if you read your one-year bible the last verse of proverbs in the one-year bible this morning we read out of the nlt and that's what we're using most of the scriptures today it said the person who strays from common sense will wind up or end up in the company of the dead. So common sense is a big deal. It's not just, oh, well, I'll take it or I'll leave it. Matter of fact, I want to give you the definition of it. Common sense is sound judgment in practical matters. All right, so let's get that. Sound judgment in practical matters. And the purpose of the book of Proverbs is it's spelled out in the first four verses. It tells us that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. So Solomon, the king of Israel, wrote the book of Proverbs. And he said their purpose, now here it is. I mean, you, you, know, you don't have to search far to know. The purpose of this entire book is to do what? It's to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just and fair these proverbs will give insight to the simple and all the simple people said amen, amen. I'm, i'll tell you i'm simple knowledge and discernment to the young so it takes in all the students and all the impact people and young and old alike the whole book of proverbs was written for this particular reason and so what we're going to do this week, we're going we're to take out certain portions of these first four verses and build three messages to encourage you in common sense. In order to do that, though, we have to listen. We have to be able to listen to what the Word of God says. And I know we all need help. I need help a lot of times. So I, I found a little aid in listening. I found just a little video clip that I think is going to really help us kind of really zone in, if you know, really focus in. I don't know about you, but I need to focus in. So let's go ahead and shoot that video up there. Let's just take a look at it. Come on, let's just see. Like I'm listening to me, listening to me. Like, like I do this all the time. And if I go out at the, at the house with the door, Matthew has his toys. And then Matthew has all his toys. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, Linda, Linda, listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen, Linda. 
Listen. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can't trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at If we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're going to break it. Okay. But I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot, you know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm, Linda, li it, it. you're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes and you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something without this, if we, if we get close up, you can't even get them, you can burn your butt. What's going to burn your butt? You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Grandpa's going to give me pop in the butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to, you want? You don't want me to hit Kevin or you don't want me to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's my little pop He's your little pop ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot Linda, have it, cupcakes it, for dinner. It, Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything, you can get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the Linda, adult. Linda, listen to me. All the time to get them to, to, this thing, this, this, this. I'm done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. Thou preach. That's what we do to God. Listen, God. God, listen. Listen, God. And God says, wait a minute. Listen, listen. And then he says, you can touch everything at Momo's house. We think we can touch anything, do anything. But, but God says, no, I'm going to give you papals on your butt. <laughs> Isn't that right? I'm going to discipline you. You need to straighten up. And so, you know, that's going to help us. So you, you'll go to bed tonight saying, Linda, listen, listen, Linda. <laughs> And if your name is Linda, then you really need to listen, okay? <laughs> Wasn't anything personal, all right? So wisdom is what we're going to talk about. And hopefully when we leave here, we're going to at least kind of scratch the surface and say, you know what, I think I need it. Now, wisdom, if you need it, and I don't know anybody in this room who doesn't need it. As a matter of fact, if you think you don't need wisdom, then you really need wisdom. Pro uh, James chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1 of uh, verse 5, verse 1, chapter 1. Verse 5, 5, 1, <laughs> chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, say, I need wisdom. Ask our generous God. Who do you ask? God. And he will give it to you. Who will give it to you? He will give it to you. God will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. You're not going to fuss at you if you're asking for wisdom. He'll fuss at you if you don't ask for wisdom. 
okay? And Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and I think it's great. So I thought we'd look at, Proverbs, at Solomon's life and see how Proverbs worked in his life and why, why he wrote this for us and why we, we can see this. It, it takes us to a story in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. And now this is where Solomon is. Solomon has been established as king of Israel. He is confirmed in his calling. He's there. He's got the people with him. It's a special day in the presence of God. He stood up on the altar and he offered a thousand sacrifices. Talk about a long day. A thousand sacrifices and everything is wonderful. And that night he goes to, to his house. He gets ready for bed and he's just hanging out. And God speaks to him. And God comes to him and says, Solomon, what do you want me to give you? What do you need? What do you want? Can you imagine if you came home from church today and took a nap in the bedroom and God came to you and said, what can I do for you? What do you want? I don't know what I'd do. My goodness, if you had that ability to have God Almighty give you something. And Solomon, this is what he says. It's just so tremendous. He doesn't hesitate, he says, Give me the wisdom and the knowledge to lead them properly for who could possibly govern this great people of yours. And God said to Solomon, I think God was kind of astonished. I don't think he can be astonished, but let's just say he was because of the way we are. He says, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the, the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you ask for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, I will certainly give you the wisdom and the knowledge you requested. And, but, but this, just because, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or, Eve, or, or will ever have in the future. This really is a, a forerunner to what Jesus has told us in the sixth chapter of, of John when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things that the people that don't love God are asking for, you'll get. There's an order in God and, and Solomon chose that wonderful order of saying, give me wisdom above everything else because I believe that when you get wisdom in your life, you get a whole lot of other things. I remember Jan and I, we, had, we were married in 1971 and we bought a brand new car. It's a brand new car. And uh, we needed a car. My car was shot, piece of junk, trash, Mustang, trash, blowed up. Navy guy had it, blew it all to pieces. But anyway, nothing. Uh, and so uh, we bought a new car. And we had the car about four years. It was a great car. Galaxy, Ford Galaxy. Man, look, great car. We're driving through Baton Rouge down the main street there in Baton Rouge and they had a car lot on the left-hand side and on the very corner of that car lot was a 1972 or three Formula 400 Pontiac Firebird. 400 cubic inch, four barrel, white interior, dark green metal flake on the outside, man. And I'm just driving, I'm just minding my own business and I spotted that Firebird. And I said, whoa, I like that. And three days later, I was driving it. And I traded my car in. My excuse was, baby, the, the radio's been acting really weird lately. <laughs> How many of you know we were riding in style, but we didn't have a lot of wisdom? And then we had a baby. 
Goodbye, Firebird. <laughs> Hello, used Impala. Those are not life-altering, unwise decisions unless you trade in your car every year and you'll go broke. But there were many, many, many other unwise decisions that I've made before Jesus. Thank God since Jesus, since I've really committed my life to Jesus, there's a whole lot less. And that's how it needs to be for all of us. Now, we need to define wisdom to you. We define common sense, but let's define wisdom. I like definition because if we don't define a word, we don't know how to use it. So when you define the word wisdom, it is this. It is the knowledge and ability to make right choices at the opportune time. Very important that you understand this. Right choices, knowledge and ability to make right choices at the opportune time or the right time. Solomon gives us this example in 1 Kings chapter 3. The king there would judge people. I mean, to sit on the throne, people would come there and argue back and forth, and he would render judgment. And here, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. And they said, please, my Lord, one of them began, this woman and I, we live in the same house. And I gave birth um, to a baby while she was with me in the house. And three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone, there were only two of us in the house, but her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. And then, you know what she did? She got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead baby in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. When people interrupt, you know something's up. It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine, the dead one is yours, and, and so they argued back and forth before the king, you can imagine, and so you wanna be king, huh? Back and forth, you can imagine how it got heated, it got really, really weird there. And this is what the king said, he said, he said, let's get the facts straight. That's a good point. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, that's what you say, all right, okay, all right, all right, so bring me a sword. Bring me a sword, so a sword was brought to the king and then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. What a judgment. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman, you know she said? All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. And then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering judgments. This is a great story. That was a great decision to make at a great time, and that took wisdom to make such a radical choice. The thing that I see about, about wisdom, folks, is this, is that what is wise today may not be wise tomorrow. Because wisdom is fluid. And if you're the type of person that you're, you're, you're structured and you're, you're, it's just ironclad and you can't change and, you don't, and it's like, it's gonna be this way, it's gonna be that way. And raising your children, folks, listen, you need to have wisdom in how to raise kids. 
You've got two or three kids, you better watch yourself just putting that, that, that iron straight jacket on every kid. You've got to look at each child and raise them up differently. You may have overlying principles that, that have wisdom embedded in them, but each person is different. And what is wise today may be very unwise tomorrow. What, what financial decision you make today to buy something may be a very wise choice today, may be very unwise six years from now. And vice versa, some of you getting ready to make a choice now, you might ought to wait and seek God for wisdom before you make the choice. Because wisdom is fluid. For this particular moment, this thing worked. But I tell you what, every time somebody came in and argued about a child, I don't know if the king said, bring me a sword. I don't know that he was into cutting kids up every day of the week. You know what I'm talking about. And so we need to understand and widen our view of what wisdom is. And so the bulk of this message, what we want to talk about today is how to position yourself to receive wisdom. How do you do that? You know, when we are positioned in, in the old days, years ago, we used to say, we need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Some of you older folks know that in the charismatic times, get under the spout where the glory comes out. And really that was, what's that saying is position yourself to receive something from God. You have to be in the right position if you know what I'm talking about. When you go to, to, the, to the restaurant and you serve yourself a Coke under the machine, you wanna make sure that your glass is positioned under the spout. I see sometimes kids come up, they, little, they reach up there and they put it and they turn it on and it's just a mess. It rolls down their arm, down their armpit, down into their pants, you know, because they're not positioning their cup properly. We need to position ourselves properly. And I'm gonna give you four things that are gonna help you here. That I believe if you'll do these four things, and these four things will be resident in your life. And folks, it's not just a to-do thing. This, it's got to be embedded in your life. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in God the Father. It's not just a, a song. It's not just something. I believe that Christ is coming again. I believe in the resurrection. I believe I am fully persuaded to the point where my whole life is embedded in the promises of Jesus. And if he's not telling the truth, then we're sunk but that's all right. First thing you want to do. You have to position yourself in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of everything. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge of the Holy One. It's the, it, it is what is, is happening. You see, now, now know this, that when you are afraid of God... You're not in the proper position. There are too many people who are afraid of God. I mean, people who don't know God are afraid of God, afraid of his judgment, think that he hates everybody, that he's mad at the whole world, that he's, he wants to do. And even in the church, there's so many people who are afraid of God, afraid to move forward with God, afraid to be filled with the Spirit of God, afraid to be water baptized, afraid to do this, afraid to even seek God because he might ask them to do something that makes them uncomfortable, afraid. The, even the church is afraid of God, and that's not healthy. There is a healthy fear, a healthy reverence for God. And the thing about the fear of the Lord, I believe it's like tangible. If you just imagine with me for a moment, if you take a brick and you put it in a bucket of water, it displaces however much the mass of the brick is when you put it in the water, it displaces the water out of the bucket. Displacement, we learned that in fourth grade science. But, but watch this, the, the fear of the Lord will not displace self out of you. You cannot, it does not displace. You know, it's not like God moves in and get out of the way. No, you have to make room for the fear of God. You have to make room for God to work in your life. 
There are too many people, I think we're just waiting on somebody for God to barge in in the middle of the night and radically shake us around and then possess us. <laughs> we would want it to be possessed by God. Outside of our will, outside of our ability, just possess me, God, and move me around like this, but God's not into that. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. The fear of the Lord. An awestruckness of God, of his power and his might. So we were singing just a moment ago about, you know, the, the, all what God has done. It's like he became so big to me. Like, like all I could do was just weep. It was like, you're just, you're, you're, you're bigger good than what I can imagine. You're stronger big than, than I can imagine. You're, 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 you're greater than my mind can believe. You, you've done things for me when I didn't deserve them. You saved me. You're big. You're, how did you do this, God? That's when you're awestruck by God. Never think you know enough about God not to be in awe of him awe of him. He said, well, Pastor, how do I get this, this fear of the Lord? What, what, what? Well, you get it this way, folks. You have to have revelation of God by his word. We say this almost every week. I'll just continue to say it. The word of God reveals to you who God is. In order to know God, you have to know his character. You have to know how he operates. I mean, you, you see the way Solomon moved in wisdom? That's God. He confounds the wise. He, he disrupts the arguments. And he brings a, a clear, peaceable solution. Sometimes when we talk about God sends an angel to kill 25,000 people, I see your face in the congregation and it's the face of, I can't believe that, I don't understand that. But I want to tell you what, God is God and I side with God. I don't have to understand everything about God, but I have to have revelation of who he is. I have to know my God. I cannot just know my church or my religion, I have to know my God. I have to know him personally. God came to Solomon at night personally. He didn't speak to the whole congregation. He spoke to Solomon and he said, what do you want, Solomon? What do you want, Betty? What do you want, Ronald? What do you want, Chris? What do you want? What do you need? What do you want? It's personal. You have to have respect of God's preeminence, that he's all in all. You've got to understand, you've got to see God operating in the world. You know what I see God do? I see God letting mankind run the gambit of immorality until such a time that our awesome God stands up and says, it's enough, and now I'm gonna take over. I'm not, well, you say, well, how can God let that happen? God lets that happen because men are evil and cruel and wicked, but there comes the judgment of God when he settles all accounts. So if you've been done wrong, I mean, just don't worry about it, okay? God will take care of business sooner or later. There's got to be a receiving of God's goodness. I've realized God is not against me. He's for me. God is for us. When we come, when we come to God, life may not be for us. Circumstances may be against And we may have enemies, but God is for us. His goodness engulfs us. And his goodness causes me to live a different life. And so the foundation is the fear of the Lord. I think there needs to be a higher degree of the fear of the Lord, especially in the house of the Lord. 
You get to know your God. You're so, you're, see, everybody wondering, what is, is that right? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I? Forget all of that. Know your God. And when you know your God and you're full of the Spirit of God that's leading you, he will tell you what is right and wrong and what to get away from and what to embrace. We can't give you the list. We can't give you the list. And some people will take this and they will sin and say that God's in it. And that's between you and God. But I want to tell you right now, if you'll know God, you'll know what he desires. The second thing that we have to understand if we're going to receive this wisdom positioning ourselves is we have to understand about the heart. The heart is the real you. The all hair dyed and and all dressed up and all of us, how we do our little thing. You know, that's the outward us. That's not even the real us. The real us is our spirit. Proverbs 14, says, wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. It's enshrined. I mean, it's, it's settled in. It's, it's like a house. It's living. It lives. Wisdom lives, we could say, in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. Wisdom is enshrined. It lives within the heart. And that's why Proverbs 4 says that we are to guard that house. We are to guard the heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. Give it more time than your money. Give it more time than your leisure time. Give it more time than your quest for fame and glory and money and position. He says, above everything else, above everything else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life, not your head. Your skill can leave you in a moment. Your well-made plans, let me tell you something, will come to ashes in a moment of time. But your heart, when it's right, it is in, whew. Man, when my heart is right, my head can go crazy. I'm telling you, when my heart is right, my thoughts might be running wild, but when my heart is right, it's settled. And the way you guard your heart, folks, listen to me very carefully. Linda, listen. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. Listen. Guard your heart against offense because offense closes the heart. Not talking about working through offense because we all got to work through offense. This idea of saying, here I am to save the day, you know, and I'm, I'm invincible and no offense will ever hit me. Look, there'll be offense come that'll just knock down that pride, that ability to resist, and it'll hurt deep, deep within you. I'm not talking about having to work through that. We all have to work through that. But when you let it grab hold to your heart, Offense will shut you up and offense will close your heart off. And when your heart gets closed off, you will shut God out. It'll start with people first, but eventually even God himself. Guard your heart against insecurities because insecurities, they limit you. Insecurities limit your heart. Insecurities limit your ability. Insecurity limits what you can do for yourself, your family, your country, and your God. Insecurity limits most people from ever reaching their potential in life. Because you look to yourself. And if I look to myself, I have to leave this platform right now. Because I have no ability in myself. But Jesus does something to an individual that causes them to be able to overcome their insecurities and their shortcomings and their inabilities and causes them to do something great. And then this is the big one. You must guard your heart against unwise influences. Now listen, Linda. If you're hanging around with a bunch of clowns that are doing a bunch of crazy stuff, you need to get away from those people. 
Now listen to me. I know what some of you think. Well, we need to stay close to the lost. We need to stay close to people. They saw the wisdom of Solomon. Let people see your wisdom. That means stay away from influences that pull you away from God. If the influences that the people you're hanging with are not drawing you closer to God and making you better for God and yourself, you need to cut those relationships off. You need to quit hanging with them. I wonder why you're hanging with them. I wonder why some young people are hanging with certain people. I mean, why are you hanging with them? Why you want to do that? Why you want to go there? Why you want to be there? Everything we do should draw us closer to Jesus if we believe in the resurrection when Christ comes again. And so we have to understand that unwise influences, we've got to reject them. They pollute our heart. So the fear of the Lord, I'm positioning myself. I'm getting myself positioned here. The fear of the Lord, my heart, and, and number three, my ears. Listen, listen. Take effort to listen. It takes effort to listen. Did you know that? Let, let me tell you something. When, when, you know, when, when we were growing up, we had television sets where you had to turn the knob to turn the channel. And then right behind the knob, some of you older people remember they had a little clear knob there that we called the fine tuning. Man, it's like, Daddy would say, or Mom would say, go turn the channel. Well, we only had three channels, so there wasn't a lot of turn, turning, you know. And we'd, we'd fine-tune it. And then, and then we realized that we were right in between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And so if our antenna was facing New Orleans, we couldn't get Baton Rouge. So then we got this bright idea. We'd get two, two antennas, put one towards New Orleans, one towards Baton Rouge. All right. Then Dad got real innovative, and he put a rotary motor on one antenna, and we had a thing on top of the TV with a big old knob, north, south, east, west. And we would turn that baby up. And we'd hear it, man, when they would come in, and we'd fine-tune it. Well, when we moved to Gulfport, we didn't have nothing but one antenna, and we were going between Mobile and New Orleans and WLOX, you know, we all up in here. And so we didn't have a motor, so I just took a pair of vice grips and clamped it to the, to the, the, the antenna pole. And we'd send Jordan outside. <laughs> we'd send him outside, we'd, turn, we'd leave the door open, and we'd say, keep turning it, Jordan. <laughs> a little bit more, a little bit more. Whoa, whoa, right there. back up, back up, whoa, whoa. It didn't matter, rain. Cole, it didn't matter. He's in his little pajamas. Go outside, turn it, turn it, Jordan, turn it. Because we were fine-tuning. We were fine-tuning. We wanted to see the show. And if you want to hear God, if you want wisdom, you got to fine-tune yourself. You have to get rid of every distraction, every interruption, every little bit of what, what, what you know what I'm talking about? All the static, all the interference, because there's all kind of channels, there's all kind of voices everywhere speaking to you what you ought to do. And I'm a voice speaking right now. Come on, hit the fine tune. Some of you turn your antenna a little bit. Turn it, Jordan. You, 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 tune, you, you got interference. You're thinking about something else. You're not thinking about wisdom right now. You're thinking about something else. When in fact, you ought to be fine tuning into God. There's a lot of interference. Normal thinking interferes. Your same old sources of information interfere. Why don't you try something different? You know, maybe if your present day choices are not panning out, maybe you should adjust yourself and turn your antenna a little bit so you can hear the voice of God. There's a lot of voices out there, but you must, we have to, we cannot do without hearing the voice of God. And you can hear it. 
You can't hear him. If he spoke to Solomon, he will speak to you. He's not a respecter of persons. And if you cannot hear God's voice, you should get with people who can help you hear God's voice. Because Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6 says, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counsels there is safety. You need to get with somebody who can help you hear God. Not hear God for you. No way. But help you hear God. Too many, too many guys hearing God for people and telling them God said do this, God said, God said do this, God said. That's manipulate. That's witchcraft. Amen. But let me tell you something. You get with people that can hear God. And, and you know, I've been pastoring now 30 years. And this is what I find. I find people come to me not for inspiration. Uh, they don't even come for information. People, people don't, don't come to me uh, to, to, to say, would you pray for me? I'm thinking about this. People come and tell me what they are doing or what they've already done. And I just say, high five, all right. Because all you're giving me is information. I love the people who come and say, Pastor, I've been thinking about this decision here, and I just wanted to come and pray together and just agree and maybe get your insight on this. You know, the Bible says, if you give wisdom to a wise man, he becomes wiser. You know what I find? And this is absolutely true. I've got enough personal scientific data to understand that wise people come and speak to us about their decision before they make them so they can make a wiser choice. So the wise get wiser. Now, I'm not putting out a, a, little, a little sign saying, come see the pastor for all your needs. But I am saying that you need to find somebody who can help you hear God and give you clear biblical advice so that you make wise choices. Right, Linda? Right, right, right. And the last thing is humility. Humility, Proverbs 11, 2 says, pride leads, leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Humility is a strange thing because people think weakness is humility. Sometimes people think if you're poor or ignorant, you're humble. And we get all mixed up even on, on, on humility. Some people look at confidence as pride and say they're not humble. It's all these mixed up things. But true humility is very simple to understand. It is saying, I need you, God. I need you, God. An individual who thinks they have all of it in their intellect and all of it in their abilities have forgotten the fact that everything that we receive, we have received from God. If you've got a high IQ and a great understanding, don't, don't relish in that. Relish in that God, thank him that he gave you that. And if you like most of us folks, thank God you're getting through. Amen? You just stay humble. It's not weak, it's meek. There's a difference. And so you're positioning yourself. Oh, do you understand? We're fearing the Lord. Come on now. And we're positioning ourselves. Our heart is right. And now our ears are open, Lord. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And, and now we're humble before God, but not like just a, a slimy little piece of meat can't do nothing. We realize how great he is and how great he is making his people in Christ. We're humble. There's no self-ambition. Proverbs 4, 8 says, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. What will honor you? Wisdom will honor you. You can't honor yourself. You can't honor yourself. Jesus had no reputation. Jesus said, not my will, God, but your wills be done. Jesus served rather than being served. Jesus was the perfect example of a humble individual who was filled with the power of God, who could hear the voice of God, but yet realized I can do nothing unless my Father gives it to me to do. 
So where does, where does all this lead us? It leads us to these verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, church, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom. Jesus has become wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus is the epitome of wisdom. When you get him, if you'll let him displace self, sit on the center of your life, And if you will do these four things that we're talking about, he becomes wisdom to you. And you won't have to worry about choices. You will make choices easier, quicker, because you will be principle-based with guidance from God's Spirit. You hear, church? You hear what I'm saying? You hear, church? I want you to think, church. Think, you, you who are saved right now, you who have given your heart to Jesus, think back when Jesus first entered your life. Just think back with me and thank him. That's not just the, the rank sinner that was in drug addiction and oh crazy and God did something. It's also for the little boy who grew up in church who at an early age, which by the way is the best, who recognized, I need Jesus. The revelation is the same. He changed our sin nature. And you who don't know Jesus yet in this room, I want you to think about what it'd be like if you invited him in. I'm a living testimony of how good God is. He could have killed me, but he saved me. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I pray for your church right now, and I believe, Lord God, that you're able to do abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. Your wisdom is great. You're full of wonder and awe, and we thank you for touching us. Now, I want to give opportunity for some of you in this room who your relationship with God is not in right order. You haven't positioned yourself properly for Jesus, who is our wisdom. And I want to help you just kind of do that right now. And the way you're going to do that right this moment is you're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. And this is what I'm asking you to do right now. I'm just going to ask you right now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you say, Pastor Van, I want to position myself to receive Jesus right now. I haven't done that, or I did it long ago, but my life is in disarray. I'm not living for God, but I want to do that right now. I've come to this house of hope today to do that. If that's you, just shoot your hand up and just straight up and then straight back down. Thank you, sir. Just shoot it up straight. Thank you. Yes, huh? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, just shoot it straight up, straight down. If you haven't done it, just straight up, straight down. You're positioning yourself to receive him who is able to do great things in your life. Anybody else, just shoot it up, put it straight back down, that's you. Thank you so much. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, Jesus is real. Repeat this simple prayer after me. This is all I want you to do. God's listening to you. He's listening. Just say these words, say, Father in heaven, forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come inside of me and change me. Touch my heart, Lord. Make me one of your children. 
I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose from the dead again. You are now my Lord and I belong to you. And I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Come on, Northwood. Let's just give Jesus a hand clap. He's great. He's wonderful. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.